so enjoy myself each time uh, that I'm able to be here. I want to thank again Pastor Mike and the elders for, for welcoming me. And the whole, whole church has just been so gracious to me each time I come. So uh, my family's doing well, all right? God's grace and God's mercy and love and favor have been more than abundant towards me, more than we could ever deserve. And so thank God for that. Uh, if you remember me in your prayers, I'll be going to Nicaragua. I help establish a Bible school there in 2022, early 2022. We'll be having our first graduation uh, early next year. So we've graduated some Bible students for the harvest in Nicaragua. So we thank God for that. And then, then I'll have opportunity, of course, to preach in the churches, help build up the local church. And it's just a place that uh, where my heart is and uh, where I feel God has called me to. So if you remember, I get to do missions work in Nicaragua, uh, the land of my fathers, uh, my parents. And so what a joy that God allows me to go back. So. Today I want to begin by asking a question, and so I just want you to listen for a moment. I'm going to I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you to consider it, ponder it. But you don't I don't expect you to say anything out loud, right now. For some, there may be some conviction, um, but it's okay. It's, it's not me trying to make anybody feel bad or condemn, or it, it's just an opportunity to examine our hearts. Uh, which I think is important. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine, actually says, Paul actually says to the church, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. He's writing to a well-established church where all the gifts of the Spirit were present, where they were making an impact in their region, yet he still says at the very end of the letter, the last chapter is in 2 Corinthians 13, he says in verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Now, that's not to imply that you're not in the faith, but I believe that our faith desire, uh, deserves uh, an examination on a regular basis. Would you agree? All right, so on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your prayer life? On a scale of one to 10, answering internally, of course, on a scale of one to 10, where would you rate your prayer life? And I'll let you sit with that just for a moment. And let's be honest with ourselves. Again, I'm not here to convict you. I'm here to provoke so that when I enter into the message, you'll see why I've asked that question. All right. So... Let me, let me begin with my story on prayer. So many, many years ago, now decades, uh, when I was a recent convert, what I would call a baby Christian, uh, I was in a church that spoke a lot about prayer. There was this, this constant uh, reminder, this you know, repeated uh, sun, on Sundays in, in midweek services, there was this emphasis on prayer this, in the church that I was in. Uh, we had prayer meetings regularly, and we even had uh, occasionally even all-night prayer meetings. So literally, you get there in the evening, and you pray till the morning. And so it, there would be this long prayers. And I have to admit, prayer, when, I, when, when the Lord saved me, prayer didn't come very naturally to me. And in fact, I went through a lot of those struggles uh, I remember feeling the weight of this constant reminder of praying. I remember going to prayer meetings where there were the, 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 the sisters of the church would, would pray and I'd hear them praying and I thought, my prayer and their prayer sound nothing alike. I'd hear, I'd hear uh, the pastor praying and I thought, I don't even know how I could ever get to that place of, of, of praying 
and feeling the passion and, and the, the conviction behind it. But it would just really impacted my heart to the place where I really wanted to pray. And so, so what I would do is, even though I didn't know how to pray, and in my private time I would try to pray, it felt very, it felt very hard. It felt very rigorous. And so what I, how I would describe it is uh, my prayer life, my prayer time was more out of duty, not out of joy. And so I would go to the prayer meeting to say, maybe if I sit in this atmosphere where, where we're praying, uh, you know, maybe some things are caught rather than taught, right? I mean, I was learning. I was reading books, as much books as, as many books as I can. I'd take seminars. You know, there was no internet back then, so I couldn't just look up classes on YouTube or anything. But, you know, I would just, wherever anybody was talking about prayer, teaching about prayer, writing about prayer, I was trying. And yet I remember, and I'm not talking about weeks or months, I'm talking about years of praying, but really forcing myself to pray. I remember having the wandering minds. Anybody ever have the wandering mind in prayer? Yeah, I mean, definitely had the wandering mind in prayer feeling uh, without words, uh, but not in a good way, like an like a awkward silence before the Lord. And, and I just remember having all these challenges, but yet still wanting to pray and knowing that this was vital to my, to my faith walk and that I needed to learn how to pray. And so this has become a, a, now a, a passion of mine to, to pray and to, and, to, and to help the body of Christ pray. And so it did get to the point, and I can't point to a day, I can't point to a service, a teaching, or a book, and I, but I, I can tell you that at some point that it, it, it transferred and it was no longer duty, now it was joy. Now my life seems incomplete on the times where my, pray, my prayer time is either short or I miss it, right? We all, as much as we want to pray, there's times maybe we wake up late, we're in a hurry, things happen, and we don't pray the way we want to, right? Of course, we can all, we all shoot up arrows. I shoot up the arrows to the Lord, you know? Uh, and one of the things I'll tell you, and I might just throw in little practical things that I, that I do, maybe they'll resonate with some of you, is what, what I now do is before I get out of bed, so I'll wake up, I'm just an early riser, um, I'll get up, I'll sit up in the bed, and I, before I get st stand up, I will just talk to the Lord for a few minutes, and I'll just say, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, please, and like I pray for my wife, my children, my grandchildren. I pray for my family. If nothing else, God, just thank you, and I praise you, and I, I, pray, for, I pray for those things that I know that I have to pray for every day. And then, but I, I, later on, I, I'll go back and spend my quiet devotional time a little later in the morning. So anyway, that's what I do. But I did everything I could to learn about prayer, and of course, I actually prayed. And so I, was, so I was practicing what I was learning. I was trying. And it got to the point where as I grew and grew, I even asked for a key to the church so I could go pray in the morning. And so I was in the military back then, so I started to work at 5.30 in the morning in the military. So I'd get up at 4, get to the church by 4.30, pray for 45 minutes, and then go to work in the base. And so it, this, was my, this was my hunger that I had. Now, I had this desire to learn how to pray, you know, there's actually a story in the scriptures, in the gospel, where the disciples actually also wanted to learn how to pray. They wanted to learn how to pray. And the disciples, what, what happened was the disciples saw the prayer life of Jesus, and they thought, uh, he's constantly in, connected to the Father. He's constantly and consistently connected to the Father. And his, his walk was filled with authority, and, and it was filled with power. 
And they, they seemed to connect that authority and that power to his prayer life. And so he was praying, and so they asked the Lord. They said these words, Lord, teach us to pray. Essentially saying, Lord, we want what you have. Can somebody say, Lord, teach me to pray? And I think the Lord's class on prayer is a class that never ends, right? There's not a syllabus that has a beginning and an end date. I think it has a beginning date, but I think there's no end date to this course or this class on prayer, the teaching that the Lord wants to teach us. And so let me pray before we get into the scriptures, and then I'll just continue to talk about a particular model that the Lord gave us for prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful to be in your house today. Lord, we... Uh, we, are, we were enrolled in the, in the course or the class on prayer, uh, Lord, when we, when we were saved. And, Lord, may we always have a hunger and a desire. And, Lord, I understand that there's high seasons and low seasons. There's, there's fruitful seasons, even dry seasons in prayer, Lord. But I pray that by your Spirit, you would always bring us back to this, to this healthy uh, balance of prayer, Lord, where we're, we're like Jesus, constantly, consistently connected to you. Lord, renew our hearts in this area of prayer. If there's anyone here struggling with prayer, maybe they were not satisfied with the answer they gave to the number on, on the scale of 1 to 10 of where their prayer is at right now. But I pray, Lord, we would be elevated, Lord, and, and that a hunger for prayer. Lord, even Andrew Murray said, he, called, he said there was a spirit of prayer. Lord, if there's such a thing, may it come upon us as your people. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Luke, my text, so the the. The title of my message, I know we put titles on messages. Uh, the title of my me message is, Lord, teach us to pray like you do. Lord, teach us to pray like you. And so in Luke 11, verse 1 and 2, if you would join me there. Luke 11, 1 and 2. Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, It came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, meaning Jesus, he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so it was common for a rabbi to teach his disciples to pray. Verse 2, he said, When you pray, Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, and what he did is he gave them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. In some places, it's referred to as the Our Father. And the Lord's Prayer is found here right after this verse. The Lord's Prayer is found here in Luke 11. And you can also find it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. So it's in two places in the Gospels. And I'll be drawing from both of these passages. So Jesus first, let's begin with this point. Jesus said, when you pray. When you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. So it's a definite expectation of Jesus that his followers pray. So he says, when you pray, it is automatically expected that we, as a child of God, would regularly pray, often and even daily. And A.W. Tozer says this about prayer. Because sometimes we can't make it complicated, right? We can, we can make it a little harder than it needs to be. A.W. Tozer said, the key to prayer is simply praying. The key to prayer is simply praying. We learn to pray, and then we pray. So it's simply just praying. The Lord's Prayer is probably the most well-known prayer 
uh, most popular prayer in the world. I remember as a child memorizing the, the our, what we called the Our Father, which is essentially the same as the Lord's Prayer. I remember memorizing it, and it's a beautiful prayer that Jesus gave us as a, as a model or, or you could say a template uh, on prayer, an example for us. So our, and so the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, actually is, is, it's very simple but yet very profound. And in, in this model of the Lord's Prayer, it actually reveals the character of God and is meant to advance the kingdom of God. It actually reveals the character of God and is meant to be a prayers that advance the kingdom of God. And you'll see that as we get into the text. So Jesus says, pray like this. In, in, in Matthew, he says, in this manner, therefore pray. But he's saying, pray like this. When you pray, or in this manner pray, he says these words. Now we'll continue reading in Luke 11, verse 3. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, or hallowed means uh, that your name be made holy. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer ends there in Luke 11. In, in Matthew's version, he adds, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, in this manner, pray. So he begins with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Somebody say our Father in heaven. Those who know God, those who love God and know God, Know him as Father, as Father, as Jesus taught us. So we can pray in confidence beginning with our Father. By calling God Father in this example of prayer, this model of prayer, Jesus focuses focuses on his relationship to God as the Son of God. He is a Son. And he's saying to us as he teaches us to pray, I want you to have this same kind of relationship with God. You're a child of God. Through me, you're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. So when you approach him, approach him as a child, as as a son or a daughter of his. He wants us to have that kind of relationship. So when he teaches us to pray, he says, begin here. He's our Father, and he modeled that when he prayed. He always started with Father. So when we pray, we first come to, to God with this familial relationship with God as Father. Father, The word Father in the Greek is actually Abba, and it's a term of endearment. It's, it's as if, like my daughter, since she's little, has always called me Daddy. She's always called me daddy. And that's, to me, that's the sweetest title that I have in life, is that when my daughter calls me daddy, I love it. It's just, it just touches my heart every time. And my daughter's now 19, and she still calls me daddy sometimes. And I got to tell you, and it still touches my heart the same way. It's just a term of endearment, right? Father, uh, uh, Abba means literally daddy, would mean daddy to us. Using Abba was partaking of the intimacy of the Jewish family. So he's, he's applying it. So that's a term of endearment to the Jewish people. Jesus is saying, use this same term when you speak to God. All of Jesus' prayers began with Abba or Father. The term the fa- reveals, listen, the, the term Abba actually reveals so much more. It reveals the intimate love of God for his children. He's saying, call me this. And his sovereign power, which is evoked when we say our Father in heaven, right? So he's our daddy, but also we remember that he's, 
he's God, the creator of all in heaven. So this evokes also thoughts of his power. So love and power. So to, to call God Father in prayer is to receive that love and that power. It's, it's just like such a great reminder of who we're praying to. Right? We're calling him Father, and it's a term of intimacy and endearment, but at the same time, we're reminded in heaven that he's creator of all. He's sovereign over all. And so the Lord's Prayer begins with our, also, our Father. And so when we say our Father, we're also reminded that he's not just my Father, but he's Father of all. Every single person. He's your Father. He's your Father. He's your Father. He's the Father of every single person in this world. He's our Father. Right? And that should also impact how we view people. Right? He's not just my father. Even the unsaved, he's, he's, he's a creator of all. He created us all. So he's everybody's father. And so I like to call people who, who haven't accepted Christ yet as pre-Christians. I don't call them lost. I call them pre-Christians. You're, just, you're, you're not a Christian yet. I believe Jesus Christ wants to bring all to salvation, right? And so I believe that they're pre-Christians. And so I, he, we look at everybody, every single person, whether, whether saved or not, has value in God's eyes because they're created in his image. And he's our father. So our Father, what a, what a grand way uh, to look at God and be reminded of how great our Father is. We remember his love and his power. So it's a constant reminder, not just my Father, but of everyone. And so it's intent, the, the Lord's Prayer is intentionally horizontal and vertical. Horizontal, horizontal, person to person, but also vertical, us to God. So, the, so it's not just our relationship with God, but also our relationship with each other. Everything God does has to do with us with him and us with each other. He's concerned with both. And so then, the Lord, so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, in this manner, pray. Hallowed be your name. So let's also pray. Let's look at this. Prayer involves worshiping our heavenly father. When we start our day in the morning, when we begin to pray, even if it's a short prayer, even if it's just sitting up in bed and talking to God for a few minutes, even that we should say, we should worship him, take a moment to praise him, to hollow his name, to declare the holiness of his name. Prayer involves worshiping our heavenly father, expressing honor and worthiness to him. We always want to be expressing honor. I, I so enjoy coming here in, on, in, on the Sundays that I come, and the worship to me is such a blessing. It's just, you guys are so blessed with the wonderful worship team, right? Can we give the Lord praise for them? I mean, they, they inspire us to worship, and there's a purity and, a, and, a, and, a, and just a, a sincerity that really is meaningful, and it's great to come in to the, to the house of God and just be able to worship Him, and, but it's, it's also great to every single day get up and just worship Him. Just, Lord, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. May your name be made great in the earth, Lord. I bless your name. I love you. I praise you. Thank you, Lord. Gratitude is praise. Gratitude is a form of worship. And so in Christ, we have access to the Father at any time. Right? At any time, we have access to the Father now through Christ. We don't have to wait once a year to go to a temple or a tabernacle and, and offer something to him and then wait till next year or wait till festivals occasionally throughout the year, two or three times a year. We can now come to him at any time. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not about locations, mountains, temples. Now, anywhere through Christ, we can worship him. So we constantly want to be declaring his worthiness his, and honor towards him. And we can also express our needs at any time. So the greatest concern in our prayer keeps us grounded in, and in our lives should be to bring honor to God. That should be our concern, to bring honor to God. Bring honor to God through our lives. His name must be hollowed. 
We must honor his name. We must bless his name. We must hollow his name. That means to to be hollowed means to to consider sacred, to make sacred and holy. When we think about God, there should be thoughts of holiness and expressions of holiness. And those words of holiness are a constant reminder that we should live our lives in a way that are honoring to God and worthy of our relationship with him. Walk worthy of our relationship with him. Be reminded that we're children of God. So this requires us. This requires us. We're constantly reminded that he's holy. Peter tells us that God says, be holy for I am holy. Right? There's a, this is a reminder to us that he's holy and therefore we should be holy. This requires that we live a life of holiness. Uh, a life of moral purity. A life of spiritual wholeness. Separation from evil and devotion to God. I'm going to say that again. This requires us as children of God to live a life of holiness, moral purity, spiritual wholeness, separation from evil, and devotion to God's purposes. In this way, we'll bring glory and honor to God. We'll bring glory and honor to God. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, in this manner, pray. He said, pray your kingdom come, your kingdom come. So we're talking about his kingdom and we're we're, we're, we're asking God to bring bring his kingdom, that his kingdom would impact uh, our lives and also this entire world. Though it's important to bring our concerns and our needs to God in prayer, our, uh, our priority should be that a prayer must be also the purposes of the kingdom and the purposes of God in the earth. The kingdom, the interesting thing about the kingdom is that it's present, right? Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is at hand, but also the kingdom is future. So the kingdom is present, but it's also future. It's now, but not yet, right? It's here, but yet not fulfilled, completely fulfilled. And so we live in the in-between, the present, it's here, but the not yet. And so we pray for God's kingdom to come. We're praying for God's reign and his rule to expand in the earth, but we're also looking towards the future. And some refer to this in-between period where the, gospel, where the kingdom is here, but it's not yet completely fulfilled. And they call it the gospel ache, right? Because the kingdom is here, but yet we still experience we're living in a fallen world and dealing with the fallen humanity that Christ has redeemed, but yet we're, st- we're still uh, not fully restored, not fully redeemed like when Christ fulfills all things. And so there'll be a new heaven and a new earth where we, were, where we will spend eternity with God and with all the saints with each other. That's why it's important that we reconcile any problems we have with each other now, right? Because what if your mansion's next door to somebody else's that you've been having a problem with on this earth, huh? So, I mean, might as well get it right here because you don't want to end up up there and you live next to the brother. I'm, I'm joking, but you understand what I'm saying, right? And so this petition is about priorities and that God's kingdom reach every area of our lives in this world. So I'll often pray, I would pray as I was learning how to pray. I'd say, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my marriage. I would pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done at my job. Let your kingdom come, your will be done in my church and my community and so on. I would just pray for the different things where I, I, my desire that, I, that God's kingdom would impact and influence 
right? Because any, any place, any relationship, any place, anything that God's kingdom touches, his presence touches, is always, is always enhanced or ascends. And so I would pray that. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, in this manner, pray. He said, your will be done. Your will be done. To pray your will be done means that we truly desire God's purposes, plans, and desires are fulfilled in our lives and in our families. We can discern. How do we discern God's will? We discern through his word, right? His will is his word. His word is his will. And so we trust, and we trust the Holy Spirit's leading in our hearts, remembering that when we're praying for God's will to be done, he reveals his will to us. And we must be ready to take action. And let me give you an example of this. Uh, the Lord told the, told the disciples in Matthew chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 36 through 40, he tells the disciples, he says, the, the, I'm paraphrasing, the, the, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest because the fields are white and they're ripe. So he's telling them to pray, pray for laborers for the harvest. And he was talking about souls. Right, So Jesus tells them to pray this at the end of Matthew chapter 9. Guess, get, and guess who gets sent out into the harvest in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1? The disciples. So he tells, he tells them, pray for laborers. So they must have prayed for laborers. In chapter 10, they become the laborers. And they get sent out. What's interesting about that, we may be praying for something and God wants us to be that answer to our own prayers. We have to be willing to be the answer to our own prayers. God helped that person. What if the Lord said, you helped that person? Lord, bless that person. You bless that person. Be the answer to your own prayer. Sometimes we pray for things when really God could use us to answer our own prayers. He touches our hearts. He puts compassion in our hearts. He puts a desire in our hearts and he wants us to be the answer to our own prayers. Lord, teach us to pray, the disciples said. He said, in this manner, pray. They pray, give us this day our daily bread. Prayer should contain a request for God to provide our daily needs. Daily provision, divine provision, physical bread and spiritual bread. So both, we should be ready to express thanks for whatever God gives us. Whenever God blesses us, whenever God provides for us, we should be willing to give him thanks. This day means we are trusting God for today. He said, give us this day our daily bread. So we should, we should uh, be trusting God for today and know that we don't have to worry about tomorrow because our lives are in God's hands and every day we pray. Uh, there's, there's a story of, of uh, there in, in England in the 1800s, uh, I believe his name was Mueller, last name was Mueller, and God put it on his heart to start an orphanage. And Mueller would get up, uh, George Mueller, George Mueller, and he had this orphanage and he'd have like hundreds of kids and he'd wake up some days and they'd have no food to feed these kids. And so they'd get up and he'd get up and just pray and pray and he'd say, God, uh, Lord, if you, don't, if you don't send food for these children and knowing that God's will was that he'd start this orphanage, he's like, they're, they're not gonna eat, Lord. Uh, send food, send provision, and then, then a truck would be driving by full of, like, full of uh, bread or full of fruit or full of some kind of food. And it would get a flat tire right in front of the orphanage. And they'd come and knock and they'd say, do you know anybody could use this food? Uh, because it's going to spoil because back then things weren't preserved like they are now. And so do you know anyone we can give this food to because it's going to spoil if it sits here. I'm not going to be able to fix it for a while. 
And so he, he would look up and thank God because God would provide food. Now it wasn't a one-time occurrence. Things like that would happen regularly. People would just show up and knock on the door as he was praying for these children that he knew God had entrusted into him. So we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Pray every day. So give us this day our daily bread means that we're praying every day. It's a, we pray daily. Lord, teach us to pray, the disciples said. He said in this manner, pray. Forgive, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven. Prayer is a time for confession of sin so that we can be forgiven. It's a time. It's, it's regular, a regular praying of forgiveness, confession to the Lord of our sin so that we can be forgiven. There's something that I, that I learned in a, in a class I took a few years ago, and it's called the, the prayer of examine. And so this might be a good time uh, for you to, to maybe uh, this forgive our debts uh, it would be a good time, maybe it's conducive, maybe there's another time. But the prayer of exam basically is a prayer at the end of your day where you get silent before the Lord, alone with the Lord, and you review your day as if to sit there with the Lord and just review your day. And I had this interaction and I had that interaction. And, 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 and you put your, 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 your day, you put basically your heart before the Lord, and, and, and you ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in this day today that I did that in any way wasn't pleasing to you or dis, it was dishonoring to you? Or, Lord, is there anything? And, and, and it's so, it's so uh, wonderful how the Holy Spirit will bring to you remember some things. Oh, I was a little short with my wife, or oh, that, co- that co-worker, or, or maybe that pride sprung up in my heart, in my response. My ego got the best of me. Maybe I, maybe I cheated. Maybe I lied when I didn't have to. Right? These, we're, it's, 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 it's humanity. We do these things, right? And sometimes we do them without thinking. But it, what a great opportunity at the end of the day. And I'm not talking about, you know, hours and hours. I'm talking about 10, 15 minutes before the Lord. Review your day. And if there's any, anything in your day that's dishonoring to God in any way, what, no matter how slight it was, what a great opportunity to say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And Lord, how did, wh- why, or why does this issue keep reoccurring in my life? This, this pride or, or this greed or, or this lust or whatever it may be. This impatience. Um, what a great opportunity to, to pray that our sins be forgiven by the Lord. Confess to the Lord. And it's also, when we pray this prayer, also a time to rely on God for strength to forgive those who have harmed us. Because we also, you know, our forgiveness is tied to our forgiving. Very clearly in the scriptures. And I, and I, I, and I was a pastor, have pastoral ministry over 25 years. I remember preaching a whole sermon on forgiveness. And I remember feeling resistance. Not on the forgiving part, but on the forgiveness part. And I understand, I'm not saying that in a negative way towards anybody, but I, I, as soon as the service was over, a sister came up to me and she had this look on her face like, are you telling me the Lord expects me to forgive this person for what he did to me when I was a child and there was things of abuse and stuff like that? And I'm saying, that's what the scriptures say. You you have to ask the Lord to help you for his grace to forgive. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean you trust that person again or put them in a place of confidence. That doesn't mean you restore them to the position or place you were. Now, forgiveness and trust are two different things. But yes, I'm saying what the scriptures say. We've We've been forgiven of so much. 
Yes, we have to forgive. And Jesus connects those, connects those closely. We, we have to forgive. And if it's hard, I know some, some will carry unforgiveness and bitterness for years, decades, lifetimes. But, but it's described as a debt. Like this, this bitterness that arises, it, it literally described by Jesus as a prison for some. A prison of unforgiveness. It's weighing us down. And usually the offender has no clue. And they're living life with no problem. And so I'll, I'll, end, I'll end that little, that little story with this. Uh, just, just to help maybe somebody Forgiveness only requires one person. If we, if we expect the offender to come back around and apologize and restitu- bring restitution and restoration, that normally doesn't happen. But forgiveness, forgiveness comes from us. Whether they, whether they reconcile, whether they bring restitution, no, forgiveness is a one person. Now, if that happens, praise God. And it does happen sometimes. But I'm just saying it, it just, it's, it's us. We forgive. We choose to forgive, of course, with the Lord's help or don't. But it's a, it only takes one person. Listen, the word forgive means in the Greek to let go. And I, I, I got to tell you, I really dislike when preachers get up and say, just let it go. Just let it go. And there's some things that you can't just let it go like it's a switch. Right? We were really hurt by somebody. So I'm, by no means am I minimizing some of the hurt that have brought these feelings to us. But it, it means let it go. It means like at, with God's help, if it's hard to forgive, let, yeah, you have to release it to the Lord. To leave behind, to dismiss, and even cancel a debt is to forgive. To let go, to leave behind, to dismiss, and even to cancel a debt. Again, with the Lord's help. The word forgive is found 140 times in the New Testament. And God provides the example of forgiveness by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. To forgive us of our sins so that we could be restored to him. So forgiveness is really a foundation of our faith. So God is saying, I've forgiven you of so much. I expect you to forgive as well. And so it's used for the forgiveness of sins by God implying also canceling of our guilt. So we're to forgive others in the same way God forgives us. And listen, Jesus, at the end of the Matthew 6 version of the Lord's Prayer, he actually, he actually says unforgiveness will hinder our prayers. It will actually hinder our prayers. And, and I say that, that so that if there's an issue that you, you need God's help with, that you would ask him to help you. Really, it's the grace and the love of God that will help you. And so the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said in, in this manner, pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Each of God's people are a target of Satan's opposition. Each of God's people, each one of us are a target of Satan's opposition. Dr. Tony Evans, author, pastor, He said these words, as long as Satan can keep you from praying, he is satisfied that he has diminished your role in the kingdom battle. When you pray, you usher in spiritual solutions to the problem at hand. And do you notice that that Jesus in the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, teaches us to pray daily for spiritual warfare? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me read Tony Evans' quote again. As long as Satan can keep you from praying, he is satisfied that he has diminished your role in the kingdom battle. When you pray, you usher in the spiritual solutions 
to the problems at hand. So whenever we face difficulty, whenever we're in any kind of spiritual warfare, we need to pray. We need to pray, and then God will give the spiritual solutions to the problems at hand. Listen, on our own, we cannot overcome or resist the enemy's evil purposes. We must rely completely on God, praying constantly for wisdom and strength to defeat, to, to defeat the devil's schemes and his devices. Right? And Paul told the Corinthians, we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes or devices. Also, knowing the scriptures are very important in our spiritual warfare. When Jesus went face to face, went head to head, to head with the devil in the wilderness in Luke and Matthew chapter 4, what, how did he combat the devil? He would say three times, we're told of three temptations, three, three encounters. Each time he would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he would quote from the Old Testament, it is written. You want to combat the enemy when he comes against you? Let's say you're battling, let's give an example of this. Let's say you're battling a fear or anxiety in your life. And, and we all face that, the different levels, of course, but we all face fear in our lives of some, some level, some intimidation. So I will pray, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse 6, I will pray when I feel any sort of fear trying to creep into my, into my heart, I'll say, Lord, you did not give me a spirit to fear again, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And there, I'll be honest with you, there have been times in my life where I've said that, said that verse 10, 15, 20 times, and it does it does serve as a, as a reminder and releases the, the, the power of God's word to remind me that, no, this is not from God, and I don't have to accept it or, or, Lord, take this away from me. Lord, you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And you know what I'll do? I'll say, I, Lord, I have a spirit of a love, power, and a sound mind. Lord, you've, you've not given me fear, but you've given me a love, power, and a sound mind. And I'll quote God's word. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer, right? And I'll say, Lord, Lord, you said not to be anxious for anything. And really, what he's saying is when you pray, many times anxieties that we feel are alleviated, right? What a wonderful thing that the, the scriptures, prayer, the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord, where is this anxiety coming from? If anxiety comes out of nowhere, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where is this anxiety coming from? The Holy Spirit, who, who's our teacher, our guide, he reminds us of Christ's words. He, many times we'll, we'll, we'll be reminded, oh, you know where a lot of fear is coming from nowadays? Social media. We're watching these crazy TikTok videos and, and Instagram, right? Because now they have suggested stuff, right? Before, you just saw your friends, right? But now they're suggesting, there's more suggested things than your friends actually popping up on your social media now. And we're discovering now that, and then we'll see something like tragic happen, or uh, there's this one that I saw recently. There's a guy hiding in a bush, and people walk by, and he jumps out at them, and then they scream. Some of them fall down. Some of them, I mean, they jump. They, I mean, it's like some really, like, really strong responses. And then people will walk, or traffic accidents, or, or people hurting themselves, and they'll just watch them over and over and over again at car accidents. And you, you'll, you can just see car accident after car accident. You, you could be there literally spending hours watching people getting hurt in different ways or being scared or something. And they're discovering that a lot of anxiety is coming from watching these TikTok videos and Instagram and, and other things now, all these suggested stuff. Have to really, really guard yourself in this area because a lot, a lot, 
that a lot can come out of that that you don't, that are, that you don't want in your life. Um, so on our own, we cannot overcome or resist those evil purposes. We have to completely rely constantly on God for wisdom and strength to defeat the devil's schemes. Of course, standing in victory through Christ. Christ has already won us the victory. Requires knowing and obeying God's word. Only through prayer will we exercise the wisdom and self-discipline necessary to avoid spiritually compromising situations that lead to sin and failure, right? The enemy's goal is to get you to fall, to get you to, to, to turn away from God's ways and God's word and your relationship with God. But through prayer, we will exercise the wisdom and self-discipline necessary to avoid these spiritually compromising situations. And I just, as I get ready to conclude here, I want to remind you that Jesus taught us to pray in John 14, verse 13 and 14. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is teaching is teaching us, he taught us to pray in his name. Now, saying in Jesus' name is not like invoking like a, a, a magic formula at the end of a prayer. It's not even an exclamation point. What we're doing is we're saying, we know who Jesus is. We know Jesus is the Christ. And so it's not necessarily the name, but it's the person behind the name. We're saying it's, it's Christ, the actual person. When I pray, I know that I come to, to you, God, through your son. It's the person behind the name. Because sometimes we just throw out the name of Jesus as a like, okay, you know, just as a matter of fact or even as an afterthought. But no, it's the person behind the name. A.W. Tozer said this, God answers prayer for the same reason he saves people, goodness shown in grace. That's why he answers. He's a God that hears our prayers but answers our prayer. But he answers prayer because of goodness shown in grace. So, Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. I believe that we are always should be in a position where we're wanting to learn how to pray and grow in our prayer. What I've discovered after 30 years of praying is that I say less in prayer than I used to when I first started. I used to talk and talk and talk and try to fill an hour because I didn't want the awkward silence, but I found now I can be very contemplative, reflective, and be silent before the Lord and be amazed uh, the things, the impressions and the things you'll sense from God when you, when you give time for that. So I ask you, have you made an attempt to learn and grow in prayer? According to Jesus, prayer is something we must all learn to do. If you're a child of God, Jesus is your savior, then he expects us to pray. He has made a way for us to communicate with God by removing what got in the way of our ability to communicate with God, which is our sin. Then he teaches us to pray how to communicate with the Father. It's, it's, it's part of our relationship. He taught us how to get our prayers heard and answered. In this manner, pray, he said. In this manner, pray. I want to encourage you. Use this model of prayer, and I believe you will grow in your relationship with God. And when it gets mundane and when it gets dry, when it feels like duty, I want to encourage you, just like exercise, any trainer would tell you, there will be days you really don't want to go to the gym, you really don't want to go for that run, you really don't want to lift those weights, but do it anyway. And you'll see the results. It's cumulative. 
If you just pray every day, even, even if, it's five, if it's just the practice of getting up and doing it, maybe today it was only five or ten minutes and you're, you, you normally pray longer, but at least you got up and you did it, you'll be amazed at the cumulative effect of maintaining this relationship with God. Any, any good habit, any good uh, practice requires a commitment even when it doesn't feel good or you don't feel motivated. So use it daily as a guide to worship, to pray, for yourselves and others, and I believe you'll see spiritual growth. And so I want to encourage you as your church is in transition, pray for the church. Pray for your church every day. Pray for your uh, Pastor Mike and the elders. Pray for what God has in your future. As a church, commit yourself to pray for your leaders and your church, and you'll see God do great things. And so, so, uh, so hollow his name, pray for his kingdom to come, and for his providence, provision, and protection. Lord, teach us to pray. In this manner, pray. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have, you have taught us in your word to pray. You not only taught us, but you modeled for us and gave us a model, an example, an outline, Lord, of, to guide us on how to pray. And in, in this example, you also revealed the character of God and the priorities of God. So much is revealed in just a few verses. Lord, in your wisdom, in your grace, Lord, teach us to pray. Take our level to the next place, to a deeper place. Lord, even to a joyful and a satisfying and fulfilling place, Lord. May we be a people who so look forward to spending time with you, Lord. Commit, committing time a time and a place to talk to you, Lord, and, and also hear from you. Bless your people, Lord. We love you and thank you for what's to come as we seek to get closer to you through your word and through times of prayer, daily, consistent, constant times of prayer with you. We love you and thank you. Be with us the rest of this day and as we go into this week. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.